Hi again, everybody. Matt Laughlin along with John McAlevey. Welcome to this week's podcast on moresportsnow.com. And the college basketball season is heating up because the regular season has come to a close and it is tournament time throughout the country. A lot of the mid-majors have conducted their tournaments, but the big guys get ready to go to work this week. And at Madison Square Garden, it will be the Big East Tournament. It is an annual affair at the Garden and it brings out the best basketball, among the best basketball at any rate in the country. And John, we've got a very special guest joining us this week. We certainly do. The radio play-by-play voice of the Providence College Friars, I believe for the last 29 years. John, I think you started right out of high school. Is that the case? <laughs> oh, I'm glad I okay. could get you a good, right. <laughs> I get you a good laugh I like there. that, Johnny. Yeah? Yes. Well, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah this, it's actually, this is actually year, this was year 30 for me. So I actually hit the big three decades. Unbelievable. Well, truth be told, everyone, I have known John since 1988 when he gave me the opportunity to do an internship at Channel 12 uh, News in Providence, Rhode Island. And John was kind enough to teach a young guy the ins and outs of the sports TV business from editing highlights and writing shot sheets to getting coffee and donuts as well. And No, I, I, you never got one donut or one <laughs> cup of coffee from me. Maybe that's not. Because I usually had you, that's because I usually had your butt running around doing other things. That's true. Maybe just for Walter crying once in a while. Maybe just, <laughs> well, that's okay, because he was God then. Back he here, was so the legend, know. absolutely. But, John, you also gave me the opportunity to not only go to games at the Civic Center, as, as the Dunkin' Donut Center was called back in the day, but I can remember being at those first games at Gamble Pavilion down at uh, the University of Connecticut. And also I had a chance to go up to some Patriots games. I went for one memorable one was the uh, the draft day when uh, the NFL draft, this was before it became a, a – a big to do and 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 I brought back the ever uh present sound from uh, Hartley Dykes the great uh, wide receiver that the Patriots picked so <laughs> oh my god that's, that's our little amazing. trip down memory lane but w- since we have you on the spot we wanted to talk about the Big East conference and also the Big East tournament and you know it's crazy for for this season only two teams finished over 500 uh, in regular season play, whereas the last couple of years, last year they had five, and the year before that they had six. What do you make of the fact that only Villanova and Marquette are the only teams to finish over 500 this season? Actually, I think it's fairly simple, John. I, I think that uh, you know the league this year just had uh, a lot of equality. And what that normally means is, is that, uh, you know, usually the cream rises to the top, but everybody had a little bit of cream in it. So all people also had weaknesses. Teams had weaknesses. You know, the, the Big East this year was a lot like, I think, how the Big Ten was a year ago. And, of course, we saw, you know, what happened with the Big Ten this year is it became a little bit more of a mature league. And I have every, you know, reason to believe, and I think most people around the Big East do as well, that, you know, next year the Big East is probably going to be one of the top one or two, you know, conferences in the country. Uh, in terms of um, strength, overall strength, and and RPI or whatever you want to call it now, simply because uh, they'll have more experienced players back. I can't think of a team right now in the Big East, with the exception of maybe DePaul, that, that isn't really going to bring back significant returning starters and or experience, and yet DePaul probably has the top incoming freshman class for next year. So, you know, it, it's it, everybody's got something to look forward to, and I think that's the biggest reason why you, you saw a little bit of a dip where that's concerned. You just had teams 3 through 10 in the league this year uh, who were never separated by 
by more than two games all season long, which is unbelievably phenomenal when you think about that. And and I'm anxious to see on Selection Sunday how that really is perceived, you know, by the NCAA Selection Committee, you know, by other leagues, by the media. Because, frankly, I think that kind of thing should be rewarded. There wasn't a tremendous um, top to this league. I mean, you know, both Marquette and Villanova are good teams, you know, but I wouldn't call them elite teams. They weren't really top ten ranked teams. Yet there was no bottom to this league. And every other league in the country, you know, had a couple of teams minimum that you could look at and say, okay, that's a win. That's a win. Uh, you know, we can win on the road there. You couldn't do that in the Big East this year. And every team in this conference, regardless of what happens this week, every team in this Big East conference is going to finish at 500 or better. Uh, that's unprecedented. I don't think that's ever happened. So uh, th- that should say something about how these schools take the sport, take it seriously, you know, in, in a basketball, you know, configured league. And uh, I and I hope that the league gets rewarded. But I'm also a realist. I, I can understand that, uh, you know, just because the, the bubble is so soft in the middle, I think, in the country this year, uh, that, uh, you know, you're probably looking at four. That would be my guess. I'd love to see a fifth squeeze in. And I think a fifth would be deserving. But four is probably about right, just based on uh, some of the hearsay that you get. Well, we will find out, as you mentioned, uh, John, on Selection Sunday. But between now and then, of course, we've got the Big East tournament. And because of what you just described and how the season played out, the regular season played out, I I won't say that it's anyone's game, but it might be. I mean, it's as wide open as I can remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're right. And I think, you know, the issue here, man, is is, um, – you know, whether or not somebody can, can knock off one of the top two. And, and the thing is, is that coming into the tournament, Villanova's lost five of eight and Marquette's lost four straight. So you tell me if those are your top two teams and they're arguably the two teams slumping the most in this league, yeah, I would say that opens it up for just about everybody. And, yeah, that includes DePaul. That includes Providence. That includes Butler. That includes the teams that are down at the bottom of the league. You know, in, 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 in my own instance in covering the Friars, you know, Providence has already played in Madison Square Garden once this year. They knocked off St. John's, beat them pretty well, too, beat them by 14. Uh, the Garden is a building that, you know, the Friars seem to love to play. In and the Friar fans seem to love to go to to watch their team play in, and it's unfortunate that they, you know, it didn't work out well enough for the regular season because they're going to have to play four games in four nights in order to probably get and win them all in order to get to the NCAA tournament. But I'm not putting it past them uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, last team to win the lowest seed ever to win the Big East tournament was UConn. Uh, I think that was 2011 off the top of my head. Remember Kemba Walker? <laughs> I think most everybody remembers him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and UConn was a nine seed that year. And they not only won five games in five nights in the former league, which had 15 teams in it, but then they won six in a row to win the national championship this year. Now, that is a run that's unprecedented and may never be matched again. But that doesn't mean that you can't win four and four nights to win, you know, a Big East tournament this year. And Providence would be my choice out of the out of the Wednesday night, you know, doubleheader uh, to advance to at least the championship, largely because of their familiarity with the Garden. They've had success in the Garden, and uh, you know, they if they can shoot the ball, although they've played defense well enough, they've got the top metric, you know, in defensive uh, efficiency according to Ken Palm of any team in the league this year, which is stunning to me. The problem with Providence is has been to put the ball in the basket. They can't they score. They cannot shoot. 
They can't score. They can't shoot. They struggle in the half court. And yet they scored 83 points against Butler at home, you know, in the last regular season game this past weekend. If they can get anywhere close to that, I'm telling you, I think Providence has a shot at getting to Saturday. I really do. And I think that would probably surprise a lot of people. It would not surprise me. Uh, I don't think, I'm not sure it'll happen because, um, you know, first of all, if you beat Butler, then you got to play Villanova, and, and we're going to find out, you know, how much you know Villanova has in the tank left. Because, right. as I said, they lost five of eight, but you know they still have you know uh, two first team you know performers in Phil Booth and Eric Pascal. So, uh, you know, if those guys get on you know, on track, then I think Villanova can go right back into where they've been you know earlier this year. And then mm-hmm. once you get past, if you get past them, then you're looking at probably uh, the Xavier Creighton winner, and both of those teams you know could make an argument for hottest team in the league going into the tournament. So yes. it's a challenge, but it is wide open. And I would tell you that uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll give you a prediction. I wouldn't be at all surprised on Saturday to see Providence versus Seton Hall for the championship. Well, from your lips to God's ears, and, and funny you <laughs> mentioned that, my colleague here, Matt, is a Seton Hall graduate. Yeah, John, thanks well, very much. I, I saw them the last two games. I was at the Rock watching them beat uh, in must-win situations, Marquette and Villanova. Yep. Saturday's game was just off the charts, and Miles Powell yep. is hot again. So, yeah, um, I would sign up for that now. Do you have a paper we can put uh, <laughs> my, uh, my our names it. on it? Let's do it. <laughs> I, I think we should do it. And by the way, Miles Powell, I don't think he'll win player of the year. I think he might deserve it, though. I agree. I think uh, look, he might deserve it. Who do you think? Shamori Pons is going to get it? Marcus no, Howard. I think or Marcus, Marcus Howard. Yeah, that's gonna, true. Yeah, he's top, yeah, I think top Marcus Howard scoring. will get it. And, and, and yeah, and that's, that's obviously hard to look away from. But just because of his nature for hitting the big shot and literally putting the team on his shoulders to carry them to some significant wins this year – Wow, Miles Powell is tough to beat. Yeah, uh, and he's been terrific. And you're right, uh, my myopic metropolitan area view uh, immediately went to St. John's because they are pumping uh, Shamari Pons around here in the papers. And look, he's a terrific player. Miles yeah. Powell is the best player in the metropolitan area, but we can argue yeah, that another day. Pons is Pons is good, but oh, come on, St. John's yeah. built that record on a on an easy schedule. Not, not that I'm not that I'm showing my Seton Hall blue and white too much here. <laughs> Speaking well, of, I'm with you, Matt. I'm actually with you on that one. So. <laughs> Speaking of St. John's, I mean, what are we to make of them? They've lost three straight and now four out of five. Look like they were squarely in the tournament after beating Villanova a couple of weeks ago. And they have talent all over the place. You mentioned Pons and uh, Mustafa Herons is quite a player and LJ Figueroa. They have players that can flat out score, something that we talked about. The Friars don't have bucket getters, but... Do we think that St. John's needs to, obviously they need to win in the first round. Do they need to win maybe more than that to get themselves in as well? No, I think because, again, uh, the, the, the tournament committee this year has stressed body of work not necessarily what you've done in the last 10 games of a season. We're going to we'll hold their feet to the fire on that one and and we'll see what ends up, you know, uh transpiring as on, on Sunday, but if you look at body of work, I still think St. John's is in. However, if they lost, first of all, they tumbled all the way from 3rd to 7th, so then they're going to have to play DePaul on Wednesday night, which, you know, it that, hey, that sucks for them and 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 I feel for them because that, that's a hell of a way to fall, but if they do beat DePaul uh and get off the schneid, a bit, and then uh, I, I think they're. I, I think they re-solidify their spot. Now, that being said, I would not be surprised to see St. John's have to play a play-in game and, and have to participate in the first four. I would not be surprised at all if they beat DePaul 
and then they lose the second game in the quarterfinals. I could see them going to Dayton. I could definitely see it. Um, you know, I could see them going to Dayton even if they lose to DePaul. So uh, I still think they're in. I think they deserve to be in just because of the body of work, even though they've struggled here at the end. And a lot of that is, and St. John's has a legitimate you know, beef here because they've had Mustafa Heron with a knee bruise that has kept him in and out of the lineup. So I think that would all be taken into consideration. But uh, uh, they clearly have some issues, and they need to use you know their, their home away from home court to get healthy again this week in more ways than one. Hey, John, can you give us an idea i mean because you've been doing it for so many years you've seen the big east uh when it was the big east and then the expansion to the football teams and now what it is which is still a terrific tournament a a conference rather but what's this week like when the alums come to one location it's the city it's electric you've got a lot of these catholic schools uh, with their pride their chests sticking out saying hey look at us just from your perspective off the court basketball is terrific but just what's it like what is that atmosphere there because my gig with the devils has prevented me from going there all these many years so uh you know when you've got a bird's eye view like you have what's it all about Somehow you need to figure out a way to take a week off from the Devils and get there. That's all I'm going to tell you because to me it's the best week of the year. I, I this is this is my Christmas and New Year's rolled into one this week. Uh, you know, I used to when I would go up, you know, the escalator, you know, to the the, the fifth floor level there and and get into the the garden. Uh, I would always tell myself, you know, with whoever is with me, I would say, "Hey, Happy New Year," because that this is where I signal the start of the year right here. I know it's not the end of a year; it's the start of a year, and uh, it's the week that I've looked forward to the most, just because of that electricity that you mentioned. There's a great vibe, uh, you know, the city comes alive because of the basketball, you know, that has been made famous, you know, through now this is the 37th year that the tournament is being held in New York, and 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 I could not be happier, you know. For the schools and the league after it reconfigured itself, you know, now six years ago, five years ago, six, this is the sixth new year, uh, to have it turn out the way that it has to the point now where, you know, They've signed an extension with the Garden for another ten years to keep the Garden, you know, uh, you know, Big East dominated, you know, through the end of the next decade, uh, when the Big Ten and the ACC have made overtures of trying to, you know, come in and, and play on their grounds, and they've been turned away. Why? Because Big East schools continue to bang the building out. Last year, ninety-seven percent of all available tickets were sold. No other conference tournament got close to that number. Wow. Big East tournament was the most attended conference tournament in the country, and that's the way it had been when you had 15 and 16 teams in the league. And you also had Syracuse and UConn and their Subway alumni and Notre Dame. Let's not forget them, too. You had all their Subway alumni who would just flood to New York. So when you consider that, Mm -hmm. and now that this 10-team configuration is getting close to selling out every ticket just like they used to, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that's phenomenal. And, you know, I think you have to give some kudos to the Creighton fans who travel extraordinarily well, you know, with their team. Providence fans who picked it up. That's why they call it Dunk South now. That's what they called Madison Square Garden. They call it Dunk South because a lot of Providence fans show up in the city. Uh, you know, you've got, you know, the resurgence of St. John's. You've got Seton Hall, which is very popular in the city. And the Pirates have made, you know, uh, three straight, four straight NCAA tournaments, it looks like now. So uh, basketball is back in the Mecca, and it's it's a great thing 
thing for the city. Real easy to get caught up in the madness, and uh, it's a pretty cool thing to be part of. Absolutely. I can remember coming down as a student. Usually, it kind of was around spring break every once in a while. I can remember that, and heading in with my buddies and crashing. We'd get one hotel room and sort of crash there and just use that. Of as- course. And, and, and never use the beds, by the way, John, because John, oh, no. Johnny Mac no. and his boys are out in the Big Apple doing their damage. Absolutely. No, no, no. You, you, the, the room is only a place to take a shower and store your stuff. That's, man. It. that's it. That's exactly that's, that's right. It. And then after graduating. The rest of it is, is you, absolutely, you go right out until the bars close at 4 a.m. and then you step into the diner for breakfast at 4.30. That's the truth. The city that never sleeps, right? And then I can yeah, recall after no graduating, getting the, the tickets with uh, with my dad to get the, the block where we would head over. We, we would have been on the train already by now for that first day. And the first game, <laughs> I would think, started about 10.30 in the morning. And then you yep. get two or three in the afternoon. You'd come, you go out and have a slice of pizza, have a have a b- couple of beers, and come back for the seven and nine o'clock, and then wake up and do the whole thing all over again the next day. Those are memories I'll never forget. But uh, like Matt mentioned, it's for you. You've been doing this for a while now and going to the garden. How about on the court? Any special memories uh, aside from the Friars winning uh, two championships during your time? Can you can you think of any memories from from the tournament that stick out in your mind? Well, the, the the top one probably has to be the six overtime uh, Syracuse UConn game because I called that game for national radio. So I I have to admit that that one has a special moment not only because of the way that the game ended up, but, but because my broadcast partner is a former uh, Villanova star John Celestant, who played for the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA. And and Celestant, um, you know, it was first of all, is a great guy. But by the the end of the second overtime, he lost his voice. He literally had nothing left. It was a squeak. He couldn't talk anything about this. It was just it was gone because he was yelling the whole time. And so I just said, Johnny, just, you know, go suck a lemon and get out of here. <laughs> and so he just he took off his headsets and he sat there and he watched. And I called the last four overtimes by myself on national radio and it was phenomenal and every time somebody did something okay Celestan he because he, he sat to my right and so I was to the left of center court and so every time something would happen he would jump up and raise his arms in the air and he would block my view and so I said dude uh, you know I, I understand you can't talk but don't get in my way if I got to solo this thing. And he just laughed. He goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I can't help me do it. This is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, and I'm just like, okay, just don't talk anymore. You're killing me on this one. So, but that was pretty memorable. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, for I, that has to be at the top of the list for a lot of people who have been there for, for years. And then, you know, John, you mentioned uh, winning in 94, winning again in 14. I tell you, last year's game was pretty memorable, too. Providence won. Providence uh, won their first two games in overtime and then took the eventual national champion, Villanova Wildcats, into overtime a third straight night and had a shot to win it at the end of regulation uh, and, and could have won the Big East tournament title last year. So three straight games went into overtime last year for Providence in the Big East tournament. Uh, not, something like that wouldn't surprise me again this year just because of the way, you know, somehow strange, goofy, magical things happen at the Garden. And uh, that was also pretty memorable moment, at least for me, in terms of being active at the Garden. Absolutely, and I was very memorable for me as well. We had lost power here. We had a massive snowstorm last year around that time, so 
mm-hmm. had lost power at my house, so I was spending time at my sister's house with her crew. And uh, needless to say, we were walking on eggshells in those last uh, overtime games that uh, mm-hmm. that the Friars played. But, uh, John, I just right. want to thank you so much for coming on and, again, kind of getting me started in the field, if you will, all those years ago uh, back in uh, back in Rhode Island. And I, I wish you the best this week as you head down on the train tomorrow, not only for, uh, for yourself and the calls of the game, but hopefully you can uh, bring some of that Friar magic for, uh, for PC over the next couple of days. Come by and see me if you get down there, buddy. All I right. Will. John, thanks very much and uh, have a great week. Matt, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Anytime, fellas. Oh, that was such a super show. And, and to me, the best thing, and look, his, his comments about the Big East and the tournament were spot on. And this is going to be an exciting week. But for you, a trip down memory, memory lane. And, you know, there are people in our lives who give us a chance. And it was good of John to give you the chance. Absolutely. All those years ago. And I tell you another one, I went from the internship with him during the school year to working summers at Suburban Cablevision TV3, and that was with you. So I had uh, two of my mentors actually right here for uh, for the last 25 minutes or so. It was a nice trip down memory lane. It was a good show, and we appreciate John Rook spending some time with us. And the Big East Tournament is here. It kicks off on Wednesday, and let's see what happens. It is anyone's ball game because it's that kind of a season. It's been that kind of a season in the Big East. And let's hope his prediction of the finals comes true, the Friars and the Pirates. That would be great. That would be awesome. Awesome. And that will do it on this week's edition of the podcast on moresportsnow.com. Thanks to our guest, John Rook, the play-by-play announcer for the Providence Friars. For John McAlevey, Providence alum, I'm Matt Lachlan, Seton Hall grad, saying see you next time.